everybody, and welcome to the third episode of the Texas Hog Hunter podcast with your host, Bo Jennings and Kevin Henderson. Not going to throw any tricks my way this time? I might throw a trick your way, but I'm going to keep you in suspense. <laughs> I failed miserably in episode two at the introduction, so you just took over. What do we got on tap today? I think we've got a bit of a special episode coming up. We're going to talk about the 24-hour hog hunt contest, and we have an interview towards the end of it that you guys are going to want to listen to. Yeah, Trey Hawkins from The Hunting Game and one of the guys who helps run the Wise County Hawk Hunting Contest, which we will be discussing today in our episode. So definitely going to be a good segment. So make sure you stick around to the end. Uh, You'll want to hear it. Yeah, so Trey Hawkins and his buddy Trace put on this hog hunting contest throughout the month of February. They are out of Decatur, Texas, but they open up the hog hunting contest to anyone in the state of Texas and Oklahoma. And there's a whole lot of rules and a whole lot of money that's involved. So you guys want to check them out. It's at thehuntinggame.com. So how did you wind up coming in contact with uh, with the hunting game or how did you find out about the contest? After deer season had ended and we realized that the hog population needed to be trimmed back, Got to thinking, you know, there needs to be some type of motivation for people to get rid of these hogs because of all the damage and all the destruction that they're doing throughout the area. And so I thought, well, if if money is involved, if there's a contest involved, that would help get the word out and get people motivated. So I started looking around and these guys out of Decatur, Texas, Trace Pointer and Trey Hawkins put on this contest every year throughout the month of February. They open it up to any county in Texas, as well as Oklahoma. And they have all kinds of rules and regulations. And you can check them out on their website, thehuntinggame.com. But since it was February, I, I figured we were already too late. Yeah, I got to admit, the first thought that went through my head was, is this legal? <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a, a big party where everybody across the state gets together and goes out and shoots hogs and drives them across the state to get weighed in and try to win money. Yeah. All, almost too good to be true, but it's exciting. Yeah. I, I thought it was great, but I was upset that we'd missed out. And then I found on their website where they have a 24 hour hog hunting contest. And that was for April 10th and 11th. It was like 9 a.m. to 9 a.m. That's whenever I'm sure. You started seeing my text messages rolling back and forth, you know, like we got to We got to do this. Who's in, who's in. I don't know. Dude. Was it just one text message or 10? Uh, there, there were a plethora of text messages that were rolling through. <laughs> and so we got a couple of guys that were willing to join the group. And of course it's a $200 entry fee, whether you have one person or two people, but then you can add another person for a hundred bucks up to a four person team. And so we got three people on the team and we started the prep work. And by we, I think it was mostly me sending out a barrage of text messages on a daily basis. Doing, do we need that? Do we need this? You know, what about scent control? What about location? Oh, and by the way, mom has been out there with corn baiting every single location that, that she can think of. And, <laughs> you know, she was complaining about not being able to pick, pick up the 50 pound sack. And I said, that's okay. You can just use small batches. So she's using like the, the dog dish to take it out there one at a time on the mule. <laughs> So yeah, we started our prep work about a month before. Yeah. And I think, I think your uh, summation was accurate. It was definitely mostly you. <laughs> I, I feel like I gave you some, some decent responses via text, but I was hopped up on, on pain meds and whatnot. So I, I didn't have so too much I could do at the time. Okay. So yeah, so we get out there. When did we get it? We got out there the night before, correct? So Friday night. Right. We got out there on a Friday, which it is not advised to to stay up drinking the night before you have to be in a 24 hour contest. I was going to say we got there and went straight to sleep, right? Absolutely. Uh, made sure we were well rested for the 24 hours that lay ahead of us. So that morning we unpack all of our vacuum sealed scent free gear 
everybody's taking showers with the scent-free soap and making sure that we are absolutely scent-free because we're sharing the same bar of scent-free deodorant. We got to make sure that <laughs> it has to be perfect. Everything has to go off without a hitch. Yeah. You were very heavy on, on scent because, you know, we, and we'll, we'll talk about this, but hogs, they don't hear all that great. They don't see all that well, but they can smell. They can't see all that great. Their hearing is better than their sight, but not by much. And yeah, you're right. Their sense of smell is comparable to no other. Uh, yeah. So that was kind of the one thing uh, that we kind of leaned on going into the contest. Figure it was the one thing that we could somewhat control. And one of the topics that came out of this was, well, if we're going to be in a stand for 24 hours, we're probably going to have to pee at some time. So what was it, what was your recommendation on the pee solution? To pee before you go out there. Yeah, that's probably why that one got nixed. <laughs> I feel like it came up somewhere. Maybe it was just at, at some point I said, you need to make sure that you pee in a bottle. Okay. Yeah. So it's probably just the bottle trick. Well, I I've never been a fan out of the bottles. Honestly, I'm concerned that it's not like we carry two liters around with us. So the bottle's not going to be big enough and I'm going to be like, what do I do now? Uh, so I never understood why you can drink a 12 ounce bottle of water and then pee 24 ounces. Yeah. It happens every time. No, no lie. It's so, I started thinking, well, you know, there's got to be some kind of scentless bag or bottle that you can you can pee in. And I, I started looking around at even medical supply stores and then hopped on the, you know, trustworthy Amazon and found some disposable urine bags. And I said, hey, let's give it a shot. I didn't really know much about it. So they came in and I think it was a bag of 25 took those out there with me and stuffed them in my backpack. <laughs> and I don't know if you guys just thought I was joking or wasn't really going to do it, but you were very surprised when at, after 24 hours, I said, Hey, we got to, we got to go back so I can clean out the stand. You almost filled up a five gallon bucket with all those little bags. <laughs> 24 hours is a long time. But so. what's also funny about this whole thing is we've got a buddy that we go hunting with that claims to have read an article that after 20 minutes from peeing out of your deer stand, the urea, the, the scent disappears. Yeah. So he was making fun of all of us for peeing into things to, to hide the scent. I think I would challenge that stat on a hunting weekend. On a, on a normal day where we're at home going through normal routine, that might have a chance. But now when we're out there not drinking much water or eating much healthy food, uh, I'm sure it's a little bit worse. Well, I mean, it's not like we're eating asparagus. <laughs> hey, maybe maybe that could be a test. Uh, maybe hogs like asparagus. I think we left the barn heading out to the stands around 9 o'clock in the morning. It was 9.01. Hey, there we go. Yeah, that's right, because Dan was taking a shower. And then got out got <laughs> out situated in the stand around 9.15. We were there about as early as we could. I mean, we we all realized we weren't going to see anything at that time. But So we sat out there. I don't think we really saw any action. If we did, we probably wouldn't have come in for, for lunch. As far as locations, if you guys were listening to the Lay of the Land in the last episode, Kevin was posted up at the double blind there in the pasture. And then we put Dan down at the river bottom. And then I was driving around the mule, you know, on the other side of the property just to see if there was any action on that side. I mean, daytime activity that I've seen on the property has been in the river bottom and sometimes in the pasture. We're pretty much getting lucky when we do that. And I think a lot of the times we're seeing them run down the hill, down the cliff on the other side of the river to come over this way. So definitely not much that we're seeing in the means of, you know, in the ways of sitting out in the pasture and having them come up and just destroy the land. We sat out there for a few hours, I think maybe noon, one o'clock, went back in. We figured, hey, 
24 hours. We still got to drive home after this. Hopefully we're going to, you know, drive into the DFW area and weigh in some hogs and have a chance to win some good prize money. So we went uh, back to the barn. I don't think anybody got a wink of sleep. I was setting up game cams uh, and we got some lunch too. Um, <laughs> uh, sure didn't help when uh, 3 a.m. rolled around and you're trying to keep your eyes open while you stare into a black field hoping to see some hogs. <laughs> so second shift, we traded up a little bit. We went out there, I think around four o'clock. I went down to the river bottom. Dan moved to the caliche pit and then Kevin was still in the double blind there in the pasture. Nothing really happened until, what do you say, about midnight? Yeah, I saw, I think I may have seen a boar pop out a little earlier than that. Um, I'm not entirely sure what time it was. We'll just say sometime around midnight night, there was a boar out in the stand. Well, silly me, I just loaded my my rifle into the truck. You said there was a boar in the stand? Oh, no, 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 sorry. There was a boar uh, <laughs> looking out the left window of the stand. He was he was moving left to right across the pasture. When we went out there and started to get ready, you know, I just loaded up my my rifle. Uh, already had the scope on it. Didn't test anything out uh, before I got out there. And when I say that, I mean I, the gun is sighted in. It's been to the range, but I still didn't just run any kind of cursory checks prior to. I also made the mistake of hanging up my camel back uh, at, at the top of the blind. And I wasn't paying attention and I left the spout open. And so all that water pressure going down into the tube was actually, it was just slowly dripping out of the spigot. But I wasn't paying attention and I had set my 308 down to rest on the walls of the blind. And it was sitting right underneath the camelback spout. And it was sitting there dripping on my Pulsar night scope. I'm sitting there, not much is happening. And all of a sudden I'm scanning with, with a thermal and I see this boar out of the left window and I, I pull up my rifle. The scope is working properly, but I cannot get the IR to work. And all I can see is just an out of focus blob. At this point, he, he wasn't really moving. He was, he was just kind of grazing. So I wasn't in too much of a hurry. I wanted to, I remember sitting there thinking I wanted to make sure that I got a good shot on him. Didn't want him to run very far. I didn't want to gut shot or blow out his hind leg or anything. So like I said, he wasn't in a hurry. I thought, let me get the scope figured out. I don't want to take a horrible shot and have to track him down or make too much noise or shoot him twice. So I took it down and I started trying to, to figure out what was going on and got everything, basically just got everything dried off, took the battery out, dried it off, put it back in and everything worked. Well, by this time the bore was gone. So that was my first missed opportunity of the night in, in the pasture. What were you seeing down at the river? first part of the night. Something very interesting to point out there too, is that I've never been hunting before where I needed to make sure that my scope was charged or that, it, you know, it had battery life. You know, I've, I've been using my 270 for years with a Zeiss scope on it and it works great because I only use it during the daytime. Not a problem. Now I have to focus on making sure that my batteries are charged, that my scope is charged, that I have extra batteries in my backpack with me just in case that I need to put some in, in my infrared. As awesome as it is playing with the, all the tools and the capabilities that we have, it adds an extra level of, of maintenance for every item that you add to your bag. That much more stuff that you got to keep up with. So absolutely worth it. But yeah, you got to get into the routine of it. So I've gotten my gun out before and realized I wasn't even charged up to do anything. So so I'm sitting down at the river bottom in the tree stand and all the bait that we put out, all the corn, all the stuff that's down there on the ground has attracted whitetails. 
So we got a bunch of deer down there eating them, eating the corn, which is great. That's that's exactly what I want to see. Not what I want to see for a 24-hour hog hunt <laughs> contest weekend. Not at all. So I'm sitting down there and I've already had my bottle of water and I've already filled up my bottle of water. Right about midnight, I have to pee. Should have had some pee bags. Yeah, well, didn't have my pee bags, didn't have, you know, the stuff that Kevin had, had got. My recommendation was just to pee in the bottle that you drank out of, right? <laughs> so I get up, I'm peeing out of the stand. I have those earmuffs that have the, the sound enhancement on them. So I thought there were hogs rolling through whenever I'm peeing because it, it was making all kind of noise. And I'm, I'm afraid that, you know, the, the amount of noise that I'm making is going to scare everything away. So I take the, the ear protection off and I realize, oh, it's not that bad. <laughs> but the thought in the back of my mind is I'm peeing out of the stand and there's not going to be a hog show up the rest of the night. So did you see a hog the rest of the night? So 20 minutes later, <laughs> those ear protection with the, with the sound enhancement stuff, I hear crunching off my left side, munching. There has got to be a squirrel on my shoulder eating something. And that's how loud it was. And we know, we know how much those squirrels like to mess with you when you're on the stand. Yeah. Too, so. Especially at night. You see squirrels all the time at night, right? Um, <laughs> no, you don't. So I pull up the night vision and, and I look off to the left and, you know, not realizing that one of the piles of corn that I had set up, it was easy to see during the day, but at night that infrared was just splashing on a branch that is right there and I can't see past it. So I have to lean over to the side a little bit and it's, it's off to my left. I'm a lefty. So I like shooting to my right. I hate shooting to my left. I had to rearrange all kinds of stuff. And I've got my butt halfway on the seat kind of moved around so that I can actually look to see what this is. And, and there is a boar just sitting there eating corn that we dropped right there in the road. Now, was it just plain corn or, or was there anything mixed in with it? There's a little bit of molasses that I poured over the top of it and didn't, didn't you have a story about molasses? As we found out, hogs weren't the only ones who liked it. So, so anyway, I popped him and I've got a great video that we'll put on the uh, Facebook page. He dropped right away. You remember, was it a bo- you said it was a boar? It was a boar. Probably didn't weigh about 120. Yeah, I think we were guesstimating about yeah, 125, 150 when we were out there. So nothing, nothing huge, but hey, another hog off the land. So. Especially whenever you enter a, a contest that you see people winning whenever they've got hogs that are over 350 or something like that. We knew early on that we were not going to be major contenders in the competition. <laughs> uh, I, I popped him and then I put on the text message about, you know, yeah, he showed up just about 20 minutes after I peed out of the stand. And of course the, the buddy that had told us about this article was just laughing. He was so proud of himself. <laughs> you know, that's uh, I couldn't tell you how many times I've seen whitetail pop up as soon as you or your stand partner hops up to take a pee inevitably something is going to come out from a ravine or whatever. And then you're just going to be stuck there. (laughs) Can't move, can't get your gun, can't do anything. You had mentioned the boar came out to the corn that we had baited with. You had poured a little bit of molasses on there. Well, so we had it set up at some hot spots that if we left the stands, probably be stalking around. And then we kind of put it at some areas around the stands. We poured it on corn. You guys have some, uh, cows out on the property, uh, which most anyone with uh, land in Texas is going to have some kind of cattle on their property. Little did we know that they had found the molasses and just fell in love with it. Everywhere that we went that we had molasses, whether it was on a tree, 
and a pile of corn, the cows would turn around and just run for that pile of corn. I remember when they came through, they finally started to, to move left to right through the pasture around midnight. And it took them about an hour to get over there. And I'm looking out out the right window this time, looking over towards uh, where the corner pocket is. I see a pile of corn and I see a cow walk right past it. And I was like, thank goodness, like they're going to leave me something and just get out of here. The wind was also blowing left to right. And when that cow got about 20 yards past the corn, he caught a whiff of it, turned around and just started hauling butt towards that pile of corn. And the next thing you know, every cow in the pasture was running and they just get over there, surround it and just ate it till it was gone around 2 a.m. in the morning. Uh, the molasses was a big hit, not with what we wanted it to be. Uh, if it was a, a, a cow hunting contest, I think we would have done all right. So that was kind of the first half of the night. So it was, it was frustrating, but you're still on the lookout. I mean, you never know uh, where eight ball has made his little home. Always got to be aware. So you're still, you're putting in all that effort. You're starting to get really tired. And the whole time you're just sitting here thinking these cows are ruining my hunt. Eventually they ran out of corn, no more molasses. And I, they probably went through that trail at corner pocket. So I'm sitting there and eventually coming up, from the Y, I just see Sounder Hogs uh, moving that same direction, left to right, always moving into the wind. And I get my 308 up, but as usually happens, as soon as you pick the gun up, it's like they all start running. Not sure what happened there, but I was able to get off one shot as they were running back right to left. I, I didn't spend any time looking for it. I didn't see it stumble or limping after that uh, as, as it was running off. So unfortunately... Wasn't able to get anything on that. And then the rest of the night, the only thing I saw was one more sounder, but they were coming up from that hog fencing that we've discussed and just running up that fence line straight towards corner pocket. So I saw them for about five seconds, didn't have time to pull up the gun or the IR. So, you know, they got away without any shots. And that was the end of the night for me in terms of hogs. Yeah. And so Dan is at the Caliche pit, which is up from the river and, after I'd shot the hog there just after midnight, I was texting the group and I told Dan that he could come down there to the river and I'd trade places with him. I'd sit up there at the Caliche pit knowing that there might not be activity, but I've shot a hog down there before and come up and shot another hog in the Caliche pit and vice versa. So it's not like they get scared too long or if there's multiple sounders running through, you know, they don't know what happened there earlier, you know, as we've talked about. Uh, yeah. And I, you know, like I said earlier, I think a lot of them, when they're coming up from the river bottom, they're probably across the river where they might not be able to hear it all that well. You know, if they're anything like uh, deer, it, a shot in the distance isn't really going to bother them. So if they're coming up and they're coming across that river, they, they probably have no idea what's been happening on our side of things. So I'm, I'm telling you this story to tell you another story that happened before this. In preparation for this hunt, you know, I was thinking it's going to be, it's going to be hot. So I had packed only mesh camo, you know, to keep the mosquitoes out and also give me a little bit of a breeze. Well, as we talked about in, in the lay of the land, the, the river gets 10 degrees cooler than the rest of the property. And so my swap with Dan was actually so I could stop freezing to death down there at the river. But I didn't tell him that. I was basically just saying, you know, I wanted to give him a chance to shoot something down there at the river. So we trade places. While we're trading places, I had actually gone back to the mule, which is over on the on the west fence, and picked up a blanket. 
And I go over to the caliche pit and I kind of wrap up and I stop shivering and shaking for the night. <laughs> we get, You're not making us look good. Here. No, but we get a, we get a text from Dan. I promise everyone I do not hunt with blankets. Okay. It's a, uh, it's a, until my kids start going out. With it's me. a camouflage blanket. It's cool. It's legit. What was it? 3 or 4 a.m.? We get a text from Dan saying that he's walking back up from the river because he's cold. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, we're not seeing anything either. And then did you make it back down to the river later on? I went back down to the river as soon as the sun started coming up. And I kind of gave up on hog hunting and I started using my turkey call. And so I actually called a turkey from the other side of the river. The big difference between hogs and turkeys is their eyesight. Turkeys can see you from wherever you are. They have amazing eyesight. And so as soon as he got sight of me, he lit up and flew up into a tree way down at the end of the river. So you were able to call him across the river? Is that what you said? Yeah, I I called him across the river and he was gobbling at me and I was doing my putt-putt turkey call. And as soon as his head (laughs) popped up from the riverbank, he saw me. And one, he was probably really pissed off that I wasn't a girlfriend. And two... (laughs) He was afraid and, and, you know, me thinking to myself, I am amazing at calling turkeys. I'm going to go up and see if I can call another one. And so that's whenever I went up from the river up to the Caliche pit and then over through to the, to the West, West side where there's a whole lot of trees, but I was still calling turkeys and I could hear one in the pasture where you were. And we were kind of texting back and forth and you said, well, Hey, looks like I can shoot a turkey. And I'm thinking to myself, the turkey that I called in for you. In my defense, I had my uh, ear protection on at the same time. You know, it has the, not only the the ear protection, but it has the sound enhancement. But one thing that we've talked about several times is they're not always the best at direction, especially when you're sitting in a double blind, trying to determine what direction that sound is coming from with that type of ear protection on is incredibly difficult. And I'd been hearing turkeys gobbling and you calling for hours now, right? <laughs> I had no idea that that was you for the longest time. I didn't know you had your turkey call out. And so the first time, I I can't even remember how it happened, but I remember you were talking about turkeys and then all of a sudden you said you called them in. I was like, okay, so that's what I've been hearing this entire time is Bo. Right around this time, seven, eight, nine o'clock in the morning, we'd been up for 24 hours. So you're tired anyways. And I've still got the ear protection in. You were supposed to be walking the West fence. I believe that's the last that I had heard from you in terms of positioning. So I didn't think you were coming back towards me and I'm looking out the right window over by the corner pocket. And all of a sudden I see big bird walking right towards me. And my first thought of course was a vulture (laughs) uh, because they're all over down there. But yeah, no, I stopped texting because it got serious. I had to get serious about this Turkey call because I had a gobbler. (laughs) Like as soon as the thought crossed my mind that this was a vulture, it's like the, it's like the Turkey could read my mind. Cause he just flares up his tail feathers. And that's when I texted you got to get a Turkey. <laughs> uh, little did I know that it was you calling that Turkey in. <laughs> I could just hear gobbling. I didn't know where it was coming from, but I'm staring right at a Turkey as it's walking towards me. For the record, turkeys were in season yep. in the County we were in. Yep. I had jokingly told you on the way up there, oh, hey, turkey season, I'm going to bring my shotgun. <laughs> Even on the Facebook page for the hunting game, you know, that was putting on this contest, they they put a picture out there saying, well, you know, whenever you have a 24-hour hog contest and turkeys are in season because they had a turkey and a hog underneath the feeder. Uh, yeah. So, and I think at this time it was, 
if the competition were not over yet, it was within the final hour. I mean, you were you were basically walking back up to call it and head back up to the barn, and you you, you got out the turkey call. And, but anyways, he started walking closer and closer, and then at some point, he got within 30 or 40 yards, and I was like, he's too close. I'm going to let him walk by the stand, get out to where I know my gun is sighted in at, which is about 100 yards, uh, and I'll see if I can get a good shot then. So he walked by the stand. As he starts to walk out, he gets to about a hundred yards. Was he running or was he just walking? No, he's just walking. You know, it took several minutes for all this to happen. And this whole time I have worked my way into the trees and I'm really back in there in the, in the trees with all these mesquites. And and I had no idea. I You were able to see me, I believe, and you know, that is important. But <laughs> yeah, I had no idea until we were done that you were back there. I, I still didn't realize you were calling the bird. Yeah. Uh, if I did, I probably would have left it and let you shoot it. <laughs> Um, I don't even know if that's what you were thinking about. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought you were looking at something else because that turkey was getting close to out of range for you. That's whenever I had my gun up, I had the scope. I, I was on him as he was coming right towards that tree line. <laughs> I knew where you were, so I, I wasn't shooting in your direction, but that turkey was getting really close to me. And of course, this whole time I'm thinking, I am so good at calling turkeys. <laughs> And what were you shooting with? I had my AR and I don't think I had even turned off the night vision. So everything was still grayscale. It was still black and white. And you had that, you had your rifle pulled up. And like I said, I had no idea you were out there and I've just been following the Turkey the entire time. Well, like I said, he gets out to about a hundred yards, got the scope out and started to get my bearings. And then he, I can't remember if he stopped or if he was just walking directly away from me, but it was where I could keep my crosshairs on his head without, without moving. And so I finally took the shot. And I, I haven't told you this part yet, but I had the scope on him. And as soon as I took the safety off, your gun went off and I'm, I'm looking at my gun and I'm, <laughs> I'm thinking, this is a problem. I can't just turn the safety off and have it go off. And then I realized, Oh, well, that was Kevin, probably the biggest turkey that I've ever seen out there. It, yeah. And, and that was uh, the first turkey I'd ever shot. So <laughs> Uh, I've never really been turkey hunting. I've been on, uh, I've seen turkeys out at the hill country property once. We hear them all the time. I, I don't know anything about what big is or what you're supposed to look for. It, it was a good sized bird. I, I sure wasn't concerned about that at the time. It, as soon as I take the shot, the bird flops around for a while. So I'm thinking, uh, did I like miss badly and hit him in the shoulder? It was like, what happened? But just nerves. <laughs> the first thing I, I get from you is a text message that says, where were you aiming? And so after seeing him flop around for a few minutes, I just dipped my head even more then. Like, what am I walking into? But little did I know, it was a great shot. Got him right in the head, took him down, and didn't ruin any of the meat. So we were able to bag a turkey on the hog hunt. Uh, that, I think that was the best moment of it. Because, um, you know, two guys who didn't really know what they were doing to begin with, but you got the turkey call out and drew in multiple turkeys. And then I was able to to get off a good shot with a 270. It was exciting. I'd never got a bird before. And then to find out that this was actually a very large turkey, you know, having that wild turkey meat for the first time was a lot of fun. It didn't really matter if we won the contest or not. We, we had a blast just being out there and just being in the woods, being in the wilderness and going hunting. Oh yeah. And as, as miserable as it can sound when you're guys like the, like us and you like to do that kind of thing, I, I would never just stay up for 24 hours just for the hell of it. It was yeah. a lot of work. We didn't get what we wanted to out of it, but 
in, in terms of of hogs or or prizes. But I mean, ultimately, the reason for the contest is to get people out there, make them aware of what's going on with the with the hog population, and and honestly, knock out quite a few of them. So. As a special treat for this episode, we actually interviewed one of the guys that puts on this co- this contest, Trey Hawkins. We got him on the phone and got to ask a lot of really good questions, and he had a lot of really good information. Yeah, and we're, we're not talking just tens or hundreds of dollars. We're talking thousands of dollars, sometimes tens of thousands. Uh, it's worth your while to look at, especially if you uh, have the availability to get out and do some hog hunting. Yeah, and so here's our interview, and we hope you guys enjoy it. Welcome everybody. With us today, we have our very first interview on the podcast. We have Trey Hawkins with The Hunting Game. He puts on a contest every year, actually multiple contests. What do you do the, the whole month of February? Whole month of February. It's actually uh, Trace. You, I'm sure remember Trace uh, Pointer. He and I throw on these contests. We couldn't do it alone, but February is that month-long hog hunt. Started back in 2011. Yeah. Just a group of guys hunting I mean, everyone's shooting hogs. Everyone's saying, hey, this hog's 300 pounds. This hog's 400 pounds. And we're like, yeah, I don't think so. Let's have a contest and weigh them. <laughs> we got tired of people saying there were five and 600 pound hogs around here, which at that time there probably were. Yeah. yeah. We got one started for a month long and it took off. It only took 10 years, but it took off. <laughs> Gosh. So how, how does that work? A month long hog hunting contest? Man, you kill a hog. When they sign up, we started off two-man teams. Two-man teams for 100 bucks. It was actually Corey Chapman, a friend of mine, started this just on a whim and said, hey, let's do a month-long hunt. I don't want to stay up all night, and I don't want to do this for just one day. Let's do it for a month. And once they shoot and kill one, they can have it weighed within 24 hours, and we're good to go. And then we can weigh them that way. That way people will be a little more interested in a month long instead of just one day. Everybody's got to work and they can pick their own schedule. It was all done basically cash in hand type stuff, you know, just give some cash to sign up. Uh, not even, no release forms, nothing. And I think the first contest was a total pot of like $3,200 and that was it. Yeah. I mean, 32 teams in a hog contest now that has gone to 408. So it's, it's grown a little bit. That was actually how I found you guys. So in January and February, I was out at mom's place taking care of the hogs because it it changed from a, a, a whitetail interest to a hog interest real quick because I want to get back to the whitetail, but it's almost like I got to get rid of the hogs first before I can do that. But that happens when you stay there for two months <laughs> <laughs> and it's not whitetail season. It was, it was a combination of quarantine and uh, working from home. You just, if you're living and working at home, you just, and you're doing that, you just need to put your feeder in the backyard and make them come there. You know what I mean? <laughs> then you can just look out the window and have a good, that's what I've got set up here. <laughs> that's nice. So I was texting the group and telling them I've shot maybe five hogs this week. You know, I can't butcher them all. You know, there's some of them that I would just leave out there, but there's got to be some kind of contest out there for, for biggest hog. Cause one that I got was, 235. 235. Yeah. But yeah, so I started looking around and that's whenever I found you guys there in uh, mid-February. And so I was telling these guys like, we're late, but check this out. They've got a 24-hour contest coming up in April. Who's in? And so Kevin immediately jumped on board because I was I was fairly doped up at the time as well. <laughs> well yeah, that's true. I was After- I, I was on I I just got my hip replaced. I was sitting in the hospital bed. You said your hip? Yeah, yeah. Kevin's actually 65 years old. Uh, <laughs> you look way too young to have a hip surgery, man. I, I would agree. 
but yeah, so I'm sitting there in the, in the hospital bed and I was like, who's in? I was like, yeah, wait, I got to tell my wife about this. I don't think she's <laughs> going to be happy. I got to make sure the doctor's going to approve of this, but <laughs> you got in it. That's yeah. Awesome. Did, y'all, did y'all show up to the weigh-in? Sad part. I know. I really, we really wanted to, but. We were talking about it. He said, even if we don't shoot anything, I just want to go up there and talk to the guys and, you know, hang out and, and see what all is going on, uh, especially to see some of these monsters coming in. See what the operation looks like. Yeah. We we shot one hog and it wasn't even close to needing to be weighed in. We were uh, an hour south of Austin. Under 200. I mean, and we had, so two of us came from College Station and Bo came in from DFW. So it would have been very difficult for us, for all of us to get up there for the weigh-in and then come back. I think we're going to try and find a way to do it for the next contest because, God, it looks awesome. Like, we want to go up there. It'd be so much fun. Designated driver. Let <laughs> yeah. part of your team just be asleep. That was one of my favorite parts about your your video <laughs> that you posted. One of the questions you probably asked everybody is like, are you tired? Yes. <laughs> Don't get any sleep? No. <laughs> See, during the during the 24 hour or during the hog contest people show up after drinking all night the next morning some of them still be drinking and be like you said this wasn't your full-time job is this something that you want it to be your full-time job no i <laughs> man i that was quick it would be a dream we would have a contest every month if that was true if, if that could happen basically yeah. but mm-hmm. no definitely can't be a full-time job being a full-time funeral director does not make it easy to do contests, especially whenever you're on call, things like that. It'll catch up to you, actually. Very stressful. But One thing that also tied into kind of our target audience, basically, who we want to target through the podcast is that hunter who they either have the land or they know someone who has land, but they have that eight to five obligation. They've got that family that they've uh, got to take care of because there is a ton of land in Texas. You know, we all know that, but it's either people who are retired probably or people who can't get out there every weekend or every day, you know. It's everywhere. You just have to find it. Yeah. We found some the other day. We went hunting a couple nights ago, not five miles from my house as a crow flies. And we shot into three groups of hogs in less than an hour. Jeez. Wow. We'd never met the guy. We just got, we, we were told where to go, everything. We shot about 15 hogs in less than an hour. And it was amazing. God, that sounds awesome. Speaking of that, w- with the contest, how far are people traveling for these weigh-ins? Oh my gosh, we have people coming from all the way East Texas, what is it, Greenville, Tyler, and then we've got them coming from South Texas, uh, Victoria, we've had them come from Victoria, Yeah. Uh, Amarillo, north of Amarillo, out by Lubbock, had them come out, I mean, all over the place, and I mean, I could say Oklahoma, and you think different state, but really, it's just an hour away, not too bad, but some people drove like four and a half, five hours to show up with like a bar hog has no nuts. You can't enter in contest according to our rules. Yeah. No, no way. He's like, go ahead and cut into it. See, see if he's got nuts. And we're like, no, not happening. Uh, if you want to do it, you can, we're not doing it for you. We can tell right now it doesn't have a packet. And then they're just, let's hop in the truck and go home. Yeah. You want to talk a little bit more about that? Because I, I noticed that on the website and I was telling everybody, you know, no barred hogs. And of course, one of the guys is like, what does that mean? No barred hogs means no nuts. And I'm not talking south, but I mean a male species with no package, basically. No nuts. It's been castrated or? Sometimes they're castrated. Sometimes they're ho- they've are they been caught previously trapped, which is in the rules. No previously trapped hogs. Yep. They've been cut specifically for them taking their nuts out. A lot of hog doggers will do that. Cut the nuts out of a baby hog, let it loose. That way their cutters will grow. They'll get fatter, things like that. And that's really not fair to just the average hunter. 
that's out there in, in, the, in our contest to shoot a hog that's already been previously trapped or anything like that made to be huge. That's just, it's not fair compared to being out in the wild and shooting something that's natural. Yeah. Not when your metrics are on weight and cutter length and, and whatnot. Yep. I would, I would agree. And speaking about some of the rules, you know, you've got on there, you know, no using drones and no shooting from a helicopter, uh, but mostly no traps, no snares. No snares. And they can use drones. We don't mind drones. Oh, okay. We just can't have other people help you hunt, things like that. But the drones don't bother us. No traps, no snares, nothing like that. You've got to be out there doing it yourself, hunting. You can't just be out there leaving a trap, come back a day later and find the thing and it'd be huge. You know what I mean? It's Yeah. Well, I mean, what's the fun in that anyways? So I That's actually one of the reasons why we got into the hog contest. We were actually trapping hogs. It was pretty fun walking up on one and that thing tried to break through the trap. You kind of step back <laughs> a couple feet. And then afterwards, once you can get it loaded up into the trailer, take it, sell it, make a little extra money. But it wasn't near as fun as hog hunting at all. No. Well, and in a contest setting, I don't know why anybody would want to. If you, if you got to win, if you got to cheat to win, why are you doing it? Luckily for that polygraph, that polygraph really helps kind of wean them out a little bit. And now we put it in the rules where you've got, we have a capacity, if we want to, to cut it open and do an autopsy, basically. Just, just look for weights, look for them filling up things. With We're making it now where we can cut open and see. Say a polygraph doesn't work well. Well, an autopsy, looking and seeing what's in there, we'll do it. I don't know if you remember my email to you uh, before the contest as I'm clarifying some of the rules, but I asked you about Tannerite. <laughs> Your response was great. It's like, you do know that uh, these are by weight, right? So I'm not sure Tannerite would be the best option. <laughs> I do remember that. I was like, man, that sounds awesome, though. And I think I said that back. I think I said, man, but that sounds pretty fun. Uh, I've seen a couple of them like that, but yeah, when they, if they look like they even have like scars on their face from being trapped or anything, and that Tannerite, if you blow one up right by its face, it's going to look like it. It's not going to look exactly right. Yeah. No, we, we actually tested it with the, the hog that we shot during the 24 hour contest. I think that was Bo releasing his frustration um, <laughs> because for the, for the month previous going into this, I mean, every day texting is texting is texting us. He's out there shooting hogs, seeing sounders every night. Of course. My mom was baiting everywhere. Mom was out there putting corn in the middle of the road. She's like, I dumped the bag. I can't lift up the bag, but I, I scooped some in this, you know, the, the, the dog bowl and I put some down there for you. Thanks, Mom. Yeah. Thanks, Mom. Keep going at it. Keep going at it. Another couple hour baiting. You'll be good. I went back out there the next weekend after the 24 hour. And that's whenever I shot that 225 one. And, you know, there was a huge sounder that came rolling through. And it's like, where were you guys a week ago? That's not, man. That's exactly what happens. Come time for contests, they all disappear. <laughs> I can't believe we hadn't even mentioned that uh, first place this last year for that month-long contest, the Wise County Hog Contest, was 56 grand. Gosh. I was shocked about, absolutely shocked about the money That's in huge. that. So 56 grand for that. The uh, second place was almost 33 grand, I believe. And third place was 14. Fourth place was five grand. And fifth place was 2,500. Over $114,000 in prize money for a hog contest. That's amazing. So how does that work? How much is it per team to sign up? And then how does that money get divvied out in the end? They sign up on, online. It's a $200 minimum. You can have one person, but you're paying for two, basically. So you might as well have a partner. And then we last year, we added an extra $100 per person up to four people. And all that did was help us get more pots. So it was yeah. up to $400 plus a side pot for the longest cutter, I think it was 20 bucks. It was stupid this year with 408 teams in it and that much, that much money, I guess you could say. Yeah. It sounds like it worked out. 
And you're talking about the Wise County month-long hog hunting contest at thehuntinggame.com. What about the 24-hour contest as far as, you know, number of teams and, and how, how big was the pot on there? Pot on that one, $9,350 in the pots. Um, there were three different pots. You had the heaviest hog, your three hog stringer, and your longest cutter. And each of those paid $93.50. On top of that, the side pot was something we'd never done before, the closest to 255 pounds. It was 251 pounds, I think, that won that. You would think you'd get one at 256, but no, that was actually a very difficult pot to, to win. And you had to sign up for it because one guy came in with a 253, like 0.6 pound hog. He wasn't in the side pot or he would have taken home over 3,300, wow. I think. And so he wasn't even in the side pot. He's like, and his teammates just looked at him with fire in their eyes. They were upset. <laughs> That's like winning the lottery and you didn't select the extra dollar for the multiplier or something. <laughs> That's exactly what that was. The heaviest hog was one we've never weighed anywhere near it. It was 416 pounds, which we've never seen a hog come in over 400 pounds. That's crazy. So you've had this month-long contest for years and the 24-hour contest pulls in the largest hog that you've ever had? Largest hog we've ever had or ever even I've ever seen. I've never seen one bigger than 400 pounds. And people are always telling us there's oh, there's big ones out there like that. We've got a 500 pounder out here. You see them on Facebook or wherever yeah. on social media. But this guy rolls in with one and it's a sow, even pregnant, that's been eating off feedlots over near Gatesville. You can tell we checked it out. No markings, nothing. Just a wild hog that just was a freak. Well, when it, this hog laid over, it was like it had a whole another belly pop out to lay over it. It was the weirdest thing I'd ever seen in my life. And he took him home a nice $9,350 pot there. Yeah, we would have been sorely disappointed, except for the fact that we got to see a 416-pound hog hanging up there. And I remember from your video, you said that it was testing your equipment. As far as your scales, I, I mean, is it like the one we see in the locker room at the gym where you put them on there and you just kind of tick the weights over? <laughs> no, nowhere near. This is a, it's an electronic scale. I mean, it's got the winch and everything hooked up, and it's only about a 600-pound winch, but... The odds of a 500-pounder coming in, much less a 400-pounder, just weren't there. It raised it up, but you could hear that, that little line just to tighten. <laughs> and you just kind of wanted to step back just a little bit, just in case that thing took a tumble. What kind of U-bolts do you have to put in there to make sure it doesn't fall <laughs> it's down? It's just straight I-beams <laughs> attached on both sides, basically. I, no, I don't. If you want to talk about like drainage in a bullet or something like that, I'm all for it or what size, uh, <laughs> what, what kind of arterial index you need to embalm someone with. I can do that all day long, but I cannot <laughs> talk about <laughs> the U-bolts and things like that. But can you imagine that 416 pounder though? How much more money it was worth back in February? Oh, oh. my gosh. <laughs> what was there? So did you ask the, the people that won? Did you ask them that same question? <laughs> no, I, I wasn't going to ruin their day. <laughs> I mean, where were you a couple months ago? Not yet. Well, Hopefully they'll listen to this and then they might be a little disappointed. Yes. That's well, they, they kind of know we kind of, someone posted that when we posted on Facebook, someone said something to him, but this guy was an old guy. He just had a buddy out there, I think with him just to help him load the thing. And they had to go get a full little bucket and put them in the back of the truck. They had them on a trailer and their trailer broke down on the way down here. It was just about made it about 20 miles from the, the weigh-in station. They had to move those hogs from the trailer to the bed of their truck had like 30 minutes to get to us. Yeah, definitely be glad I didn't have a one-man team if I if I found that hog. So. <laughs> the one that was 225, I couldn't even put it in the bed of the mule. I just drug it behind the mule. Chiropractors love us. <laughs> Apparently hip surgeons do too. So. 
it'll buff out, man. Yours will be just fine. <laughs> it's funny you're talking about this, you know, this old guy that, that brought that in. I, my mom has a neighbor that kind of does the same thing to me whenever I'm trying to tell him a, a story. He always kind of one-ups me. How far was that? Okay. Yeah. How far is this right over here? And he actually pointed to, you know, a, a piece down in the pasture and I, I pulled up the onyx hunt and I, I showed him and I was like, all right, well, so right there from your back porch. And I told him that's about 560 yards. And then he goes into his story. He's like, yeah. So that's where I shot that hog from the pasture. I aimed about three links up and as soon as I shot, he stumbled and ran and we went out there and found him. And I'm like, oh, okay. Tail between my legs, walking back over to mom's place. <laughs> You're going to have to get you a little target right down there to practice with, sounds like. Let me show these young whippersnappers what to do. They usually do. What's the biggest hog you've ever shot, Trey? Biggest hog I've ever shot is probably right around 270. I mean, I, I hunt a lot, but to find a 400-pounder, much less a 300-pounder is pretty rare. Yeah, I'm not sure what I would do. I remember seeing the 225 or 235 that Bo brought in. I was like, that's a big hog. Anything over 300, I'm not sure I'd know what the hell to do if it came out in front of me. Is this a cow? Like, Bo, what, do you have these on your property? I think I might start with a celebratory pee in the woods. <laughs> Trace said in one of our videos, that's like finding a 80, 90-inch deer in the wild. It's, it's very, very rare, especially for Texas, like here in North Texas. We don't see them like that at all. Yeah. And biggest that we see anymore, like that I see, I, of course, there's friends around, things like that. You always hear the stories. I've never seen just anything like that in a while. We had the number two largest low fence hog ever come in about four years ago. A guy named Chris Walbaum came in with one that had cutters going all the way back into its back jaw. They were over seven inches long on each side. Good grief. And it was it's number two in the world. The only reason why is because of its weight. If he would have weighed more, he would have been number one in the world. They say it still had the longest cutters out of any other hog that they've seen low fence. Wow. Kevin, that's part of the reason that uh, my sister won't go down to the river whenever it gets dark. <laughs> <laughs> I might not anymore after this. So you got a lot of rules on, on your contest. And obviously these rules came about over the years and for good reason. What's one of the, the best stories you can think of for one of the rules that you created for comic relief best rule we ever created for comic relief your boar has to have two testicles <laughs> not just one okay <laughs> different conversation than others well it has to have two because we're weighing a hog a couple of years ago and i'm there trace is there because trace mostly does all the weighing in our wise county hog contest the month long one my little cousin's there with us and he's just kind of hanging out he's ta- asking this guy questions and the guy just opened up and tells him well when we catch them you know when they're littler we just cut out one nut, you know, he'll have both pairs, but he won't, he won't get, he'll still get real big by just cutting out one nut. And we're like, are you serious? You, just, you know, there's people like men that still have one nut and do just fine and don't get any bigger. You know I mean? It's like, what's the point of that? And in our rules, it already says no previously held trapping, things like that. But as soon as he said it, his eyes directly turned right to me because I was standing right there and he realized who I was and he went, Oh, but we don't do that anymore. Uh, ah, here we go. Y'all are black booked, and now you have to have both <laughs> testicles. I've had numerous calls on that. Numerous calls on why does it say they have to have both nuts? That's exactly why. But it even says in the rules that hogs cannot be previously trapped, pin raised, or anything like that for the purpose of this contest. And that guy openly admitted he was and only cut out one nut so it would have testicles. Oh, he thought the brightest. People will do what they can to win that amount of money. Yeah, and that's that's sad. What kind of how many legal hoops do you guys have to jump through uh, for this? I know, like the polygraph. Is there a lot of red tape or paperwork? 
Yeah, a lot of paperwork. I mean, we we try to have everyone sign, especially that comes in. We've gotten better and better about it, having a release form against us, you know. We try to be, I don't know, give everyone the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. We involve a game warden if we have to, which she was there a couple of years ago when Bryant Gumbel came out and all of them did the interview with us. And we have our wildlife biologist. She's involved too if we need her to. Her name's Jennifer Barrow. She'll she'll help us out. But we just try to make sure everything is by the book. If it's not by the book and they want to argue, they can take it up with them. Because cheating a contest is a pretty big offense. It's like doing a bass tournament. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that'll get you in jail. It can be a pain. I'll say that. And a lot of headache, a lot of griping, and a lot of people calling each other out. And that's why I say in the rules, no BS. If you know someone else cheating, prove it before you call us. Yeah, that, that's got to be probably the least fun <laughs> part of doing this. Y'all have done a good enough job and you got that kind of money. So it's a good good problem to have. Was I Did I see this correctly? That Did y'all have somebody not pass the polygraph last year? Or have you ever had someone not pass it who was going to win money? Everyone's passed. Okay. Every, I don't think we've even had a first-time polygraph taker not pass. Okay. That speaks to, you know, the guys that are out there that are entering the contest. You know, I hate to say a bunch of good old boys, you know, just having a good time. But that's really is kind of what it is, right? You just everybody put money into a pot and see who can win the biggest one. If they don't, then they had a good time anyway. Yep. Basically. And that's the way we kind of want it to be. I mean, it gives every, everyone a chance. You know, some people have bigger hogs than others, but you never know when that one is just going to walk out, which is what happened a couple of years ago. We had a yeah. 298 win. Wow. He took home $17,000 back then. That was first place. It's getting more intense and we're going to have to probably crack down on a couple more things. One thing that gets us the most is people just showing up in the middle of the night, knocking on a door. <laughs> And it's like, please let us sleep. We have jobs too. We know you have to go to work or you shouldn't have shot that thing if you didn't know you could bring it in, you know, at 7 a.m. instead of 3 a.m. <laughs> yeah, if it wasn't for Trace, that's one thing about the contest. It's like you guys, y'all got a pair doing a podcast. One person, it's not as easy. Two people, it's a lot yeah. easier. I take care of all the logistics and everything. Trace takes care of the way. We couldn't do it, just one of us, not with as big as this is guy. No, I, I can't imagine that. So, uh, yeah. And yeah, having just a second person to help delegate that actually allows you to make things better along the way, uh, get things done and, and make some improvements. And I guess speaking of which, uh, do you all have any changes that you're expecting to come down in the future to any of the contests? We're thinking of adding a, a predator contest. Oh, okay. And we're thinking of adding uh, just another hog contest for everyone. And when I say everyone, it doesn't just involve heaviest hogs. It will be a very good and large contest. Best way I could put it, it's going to put everyone in the chance for the money. Man, that's awesome. It's just a matter of getting the logistics worked out, getting it done. And it also will probably include as a side pot, most hogs killed. So it'll it'll help reduce the hog population, hopefully a little bit more since there's already thousands of hogs killed in our contests. There's no telling actually how many, over 5,000, I bet, during the month of February. First of all, that's awesome. But that's another reason that I wanted to start a podcast or at least, you know, get the conversation going because, you know, back at the beginning of the year, I said, there's got to be a better way to motivate people to get out there and kill these all because of all the damage that they're doing. And I think what you guys have set up is great, you know, as far as motivation and getting people out there. And that was one of my last questions is, you know, just how many hogs do you think you've weighed through the contest over the years? I'll tell you just this last year, we weighed over 200 to 300 hogs. During the 24 hour this last year, we weighed, I think, like 123 or 118, somewhere in there, just during the 24 hour. Wow. It's a hard number. Probably closer to 1,500 to 2,000 hogs in the last 10 years, I bet. That's a lot of land. Yeah. So, y'all are probably yeah. professionals in that area now. 
<laughs> got to see some of the people show up, but it's it's fun. I tell you, what, you get to meet a bunch of cool people from different parts of the state and even Oklahoma, and and then they all, all the, then the girlfriends show up, you know, and they want to be on Instagram with that hog. Hey, <laughs> hog, you know, I got to post this on Instagram. I mean, it's, I'm an influencer. <laughs> I know I, I said 15 minutes, and we we're kind of dragging on and. I, at the way in, you have lots of sponsors and lots of vendors and, and, and people that, you know, do some educating as far as, you know, the scopes and, you know, the mounts and things like that. Well, one of the, uh, one of the people that we were talking about was, uh, War Horse Weapons. War Horse Weapons. Yeah. They're just our local hometown boy and girl, basically, that started, a. I mean, he always did, he made his own weapons, his own knives, his own axes, things like that, and would sell. Well, he has always been into tactical, you know, sporting, sport hunting. Uh, when I say sport hunting, hog hunting, things like that. And just recently, you know, they, they've always sponsored every contest that we've had for the last couple of years since he's been open. He's just been excellent. His name's Levi Holloway. We just posted recently his wife is having another surgery after having a gastric sleeve done. We're doing a raffle to uh, help those guys out and Insurance isn't covering every, anything, I don't think, actually, for these surgeries because it was an elective surgery in the beginning. Yeah. So yeah. we're doing a raffle. I think it's a, it's, it's a JTS semi-automatic shotgun. Oh. It's like one of those little, like a magazine-fed shotguns, tactical-looking. Oh, yeah. Basically blow a hole through a tree if you had the right bullets in there. It's pretty cool. So we're doing a raffle for them just to try to help them out. There's a GoFundMe set up. It's all on our Facebook page even just to try to help them and get them some money back for everything that they've done. Is there a way to get in on the raffle? Uh, you asked a really good question that I don't have the correct answer okay, to no, at let's... the moment, but I will shortly. All right. Good deal. So we find out more information about that on your Facebook page, the hunting game. Dot com. Yes. Or the hunting game. Yes. The sir. hunting game, Facebook, Facebook. Uh, more information about Warhorse weapons, as well as the GoFundMe site, as well as the raffle that you guys are putting together, which I think is a great thing. Too. As well as the five different hog contests they've been talking about. So. <laughs> yes. Lots of stuff going on for you guys. There's one more thing I want to mention about our last 24-hour contest. Since you guys said that y'all couldn't make it to that 24-hour contest weigh-in, AccuFire gave away more stuff at that, more scopes, night vision, and thermals at that thing than you could imagine. They actually only gave away, I think, two thermals, but they were giving that away at the contest. Oh, wow. For anyone wow. that showed up and signed up for the raffle. Man. And a lot of people walked away with a lot of cool things from those guys. If you hadn't seen their stuff, I highly recommend it. I just put one of their scopes on my 243. I'm shooting out to 500 with that thing. It is awesome. Your 560 yard shot there, Bo, it wouldn't be a problem with what I got set up now. And who did you say that was uh, providing that? AccuFire Technologies. Yeah, they sponsored our stuff. And man, I fell in love with their stuff. That's that's neat. For the money, you can't beat it. It is awesome. Trey, I can't thank you enough for allowing us to take up part of your Sunday. I We appreciate it, and I'm glad we got to do it. So it was great meeting you and great conversation. Absolutely. So definitely one of the things I want to do is get y'all back on right before a, a, a hog contest, and we can do just another quick interview and, and help kind of spread the word on that as well. I've had fun, man. It's a good pleasure meeting you guys and doing everything, though. It's nice to meet you, too, and I appreciate it. Thank you very much. I really appreciate Trey getting on there and giving us all that information. And we really just had a good chat. I, I think when, when we got off the phone, I think my first comment was that didn't feel much like an interview, <laughs> No, uh, but it was good. Couldn't recommend it enough. Uh, anyone who's listening, do yourself a favor, check out the hunting They've got a Facebook page. 
as well. Sign up if you if you get a chance to sign up. Looking forward to episode four. Hopefully, we're going to you know have some success this upcoming Memorial Day weekend as we go in search of Eight Ball and the River Monster. Yeah. So not to not to get in too much detail, but we will be setting up shop to see if Eight Ball can come out for us. Uh, we'll even stick around till Monday to see if he sticks to his routine. And then we found another one on the Y that we posted. Uh, on our Facebook page that is a little bit bigger than eight ball. So, uh, and I, I believe he's, he's kind of bedded up in a different part of the property than where eight ball is as well. So we'll see if we can bring home either of those two and uh, maybe a few more if we catch a sounder rolling through. Yeah. So be sure to be on the lookout for that next episode, as well as check out the hunting game Facebook page. We're going to put links on our Facebook page and on our Instagram, Texas hog hunters. So thanks again, everyone. And we will, we will see you next time. 